Hello, you're listening to the Inside Family Law Podcast and I'm Zoe Durand, your interviewer. And I'm here today with um, someone who I absolutely had to interview because he's got such a great voice. In fact, people call him The Voice. Um, I'm here with Brett McGrath. Hi Zoe, how are you going? Thank you for having me on. Thank you. So could you just um, perhaps introduce yourself, um, tell our listeners a bit about your background in family law and, and what you're up to now? Absolutely. Well, I've been practicing since I was admitted in 2012. I originally started uh, my family law practice at Marsden's Law Group in southwest of Sydney uh, in the Campbelltown and Camden areas. Um, and I started my career in the Campbelltown office where there were a lot of legal aid clients who used to come through the door. I was on the legal aid panel, uh, cut my teeth at the local court at Campbelltown for a couple of um, criminal law matters as well and uh, developed my career out there. I became the MacArthur Law Society president for four years from 2014 to 2018 and recently was elected as a councillor for the Law Society of New South Wales last year. Um, and I'm also lecturing family law at Western Sydney Uni and I've done that for the last four years as well. So sorry, that's actually like three lives in one. How do you, that's like three full-time jobs in one. How do you, where, so you lecture after hours I'm assuming? Yes, yes, yes. Work? Yeah, so lecture lecture at night um, at Parramatta okay. at Western Sydney uh, and I've got um, my colleagues uh, Carolina and, and Kimberly, they also uh, they also lecture so they give me a hand out there. But um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, I try to, to live a, a full life and probably end up doing not having one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask that. Do you, how, do you have much time for a life outside of family law or is family I, law your, your passion, obviously? Well, well I mean, look, I, I am passionate about what I do, which yeah. is, and I think you need to be, particularly yeah, with yeah. family law and, and um, you know, for anyone who's listening, Zoe and I have been having a coffee for about an hour before yeah. now talking about... You guys about... just missed the real inside, inside family law. That <laughs> was the real conversation. That's right. That'll be the, the vodkas later. <laughs> but we're talking about approaches to family law and because it is very difficult as a family lawyer, because you're dealing with a lot of clients who are emotional um, and there's not many support networks for family lawyers. We're dealing with people's lives at, at their most vulnerable, at at their most anxious, you're dealing with their property, their livelihoods, their children, that um, you know, ha- you need to be passionate about what you do with family law because mm. otherwise I think you can get beaten down by it. Mm. Um, and teaching is a great way of um, you know, getting the next generation to, to look at family law and the feedback from students are that they've had never considered family law because they've heard horror stories and other solicitors say, oh, I'd never do that. Never but do yeah, but yeah. when explaining to them the processes and giving them some of the war stories, they find it really interesting and then discover, well, I can actually help people in mm. their day-to-day lives through a really difficult period. Yeah. And so is that what you enjoy? I mean, not, not to sound too corny, but that's what you get out of it. Yeah, no, like and I do. People and and people have asked me before, Zoe, what, why I got into family law. And my first interaction with the law was when my mum and dad was um, got their divorce back when I was about 16. And bizarrely enough, and I would never do this myself, but I was there at the conciliation conference at court. What? I know, I know, I would never, I was, I was later on, we, we all went out to dinner afterwards. Um, but, and that was my first exposure to the law. And I remember for my mum and dad that the, what I, what I took away from it was that they were, it, getting their family law matter resolved enabled them to move on with their lives. They both got remarried. They both, um, you know, thankfully you know, moved on and moved and built new houses and things like that and it was just, it was once it was resolved the weight of the world lifted off their shoulders yeah. and as a as a child of divorce seeing that it took the stress and tension out of both households and so the approach I take is I, I've lived it as a child of divorce and mm. then and trying to give that make that approach in in my matters with my clients and say look early resolution absolutely and also that 
court isn't always the answer and, and it should be the answer of last resort, really. That it's not the first resort, it's the ah, last resort. Totally. Yeah. And I think that the approach to family law, and I say this to my students as well, that the, the role of a family lawyer is to, is to make the deal, not break the deal. That's it. Yeah, that's a good saying. We should yeah. have that on t-shirts. Abs- absolutely, <laughs> and, and, and it should be the, the you know in the, make the deal, not break. That's the right. Deal. The law reform should be you know should, <laughs> the, the Australian Law Reform Commission should have recommendation: make the deal, don't break the deal. Yeah. Um, so that that's the approach I try to take, and I'm I'm trying to impart that to to students, and they're all finding family law really interesting and fascinating. And that's you know, it's you know to paraphrase Malcolm Turnbull, there's never been a more exciting time to be a family mm-hmm. lawyer. So um, with all the reforms that are coming through, this is, this is very true. I mean, look, one of the reforms, I and mean, we're not going to talk about the reforms in detail today, but there does seem to be this push towards, I guess, that similar approach, like, you know, trying to early mm. resolution, efficient resolution, whether or not you agree with the way they're going about it, in, in the, what may go about it in the mm. recommendations. The, the spirit behind it is early resolution, efficiency, mm-hmm. you know, encourage, encouraging parties to look at alternative dispute resolution, mediation. Absolutely. Uh, and is that something, you know, we, we were talking about before? Yeah, we're, and, and that's, that's an approach that, that I've, I've taken with, even though it's not a requirement under family law to mediate attend alternative dis- mm-hmm. dispute resolution or mediate property, it's, it's an option that I've been using as a tool for clients because of the delays in the family law system at the moment uh, are horrendous. Mm. I, mean, I, was, I was in Sydney the other day um, before a, a judge and he said, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to list you for hearing until 2023. I mean, to, for clients to then, to then have a three, four year possible wait for determination of their matter, so much happens in that period of time that it would be, it's just commercially not viable and it's emotionally not viable for clients. Mm. In the majority of matters, just isn't, unless, absolutely. Yeah, unless there's some particular point of law. You know, uh, well, absolutely, yes. particularly federal circuit court matters, which really should be the simpler matters anyway. Mm. Um, if, there's, if, if it's, if it's your, your house and garden, mum and dad, two kids. A house and super, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what, why are you here? Yeah. That's, and so I think, the, it's encouraging that, that, that there should be a, a, a greater focus, and that was in the, one of the recommendations, not to harp on those too much because everyone's talking about them, but that there should be genuine steps taken in property matters to mediate or have alternative dispute resolution. I mean, you've got issues about valuations and what have you sure. for property, for the balance sheet. Disclosure. Disclosure, that's right. So there's sometimes you have to go to court for those hmm. issues, and that, that's, that's, I think the court recognises that. But for the majority of matters, I think if you've got that in place and there's a genuine steps, it puts the onus on the solicitors as well to file that genuine steps statement as well. Mm. And I think any move towards that, whether that's what happens, is positive because uh, arbitration as well is becoming in vogue too mm. for, for people. So I think um, moves towards that to, to alleviate the burden on the court system. So only the matters that it really need, because you know well, some matters do need court, but only oh, those absolutely. matters will go to court. Well, that's that's what we're trying to work towards. Maybe. Absolutely, <laughs> exactly. And it'll be really interesting in the um, the financial package that the uh, Morrison government announced for, for women, um, I believe it was last year, that there's a pilot program that they're going to launch where matters under half a million dollars of total equity, they will actually have a registrar sit down with parties or have a judge dispense with a hearing mm. if the pool is, is you know, in, in that, that range. So, um, and you know, you know what, it's, what it's like, Zoe, sometimes the pool, even though it may, it may not be that big, the issues are in the, the issues of principle and, mm. and the issue and, and parties becoming entrenched. Feeling wronged. People feeling wronged, wronged, absolutely. I'm um, not going to compromise. I compromised the whole relationship and I'm not going to compromise right. now. I want my day in court. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so overcoming that. But um, I think the, the, those moves... But maybe that's our job as lawyers to work through those issues with our clients as much as Absolutely. And I think it's expectation setting as well, Zoe. Mm. Um, when, when you've got clients come in and... Uh, 
all those lines that you hear from movies like War of the Roses and things like that. Nobody wins in family law, mm. and and they're all true. And it's 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 expectation management for clients. I think is is critical. And to say, you will need to compromise. That is in fact the expectation of the court. I know court. it's hard, but yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you would know that as being yeah. a mediator, getting mm. people to you know you can lead a horse to water, but you can't get them to drink. And it's um and, and Paul Lewis, who's who's um my my colleague and partner here at Gaydens, he um he's. Now, oh, I didn't say I'm actually Gaydon's family lawyer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said I was Forgot a bastard. Yeah, yeah, I'm a senior associate at Gaydon's, by the way. Um, and he, he's, his line, which is, which is great, is that the, the right deal offered at the wrong time is still the wrong deal. People do need to work through offer. a kind Sorry. of pathway to get their head around Absolutely, it's yeah, true. absolutely. So I think that's, and that's the approach that, that, that should be taken. And that's the approach, obviously, you, you take, I'm sure. That's yeah. Yes, exactly. And with, and with success, I mean, I've, I've, I say to um, a lot of my clients... So you resolve a lot of matters outside yeah, of Yeah, I do. I think probably in my career I've had maybe, um, you know, aside from matters that have, have reached the day of final hearing, but where there is actually a judgment, aside from undefended matters where a judgment's been handed sure. down, there would probably be a handful, if mm. that. Um, and that's usually because there's been some technical issue of mm. law that needed to be resolved, in fact. Um, but aside from that, the approach... That, I, that I've taken, and it, and I'm, I'm and it's it's positive that that has happened because the other side needs to be pragmatic and realistic mm. too. Is that that matters have in fact settled? I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, you and I were saying before when we grabbed our coffees <laughs> that um, <laughs> it's. I know this sounds a little bit like, like maybe rough around the edges, but it's kind of like look. If you've been practicing family law for a while, like we all, we it's like you know the range. I know the range. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like, what what does your client want? What do they actually want? Is that realistic? Can we sort this out? Like, exactly. It's great to be able to get on the phone sometimes to another practitioner when you have that report and just say, what's going on here? What's really going on here? Mm-hmm. We, what's the real range? Let's have you know a discussion um, you know, without prejudice. Let's try and resolve Absolutely. This. And sometimes it's, you know, I've had conciliation conferences where you know, we can talk, and I say this to clients, the court is artificial. It's a, it's a construct to try and mm-hmm. help you resolve the matter. And it's, it doesn't, and, and I had you know, one, one client who was, it was really upset that the marriage had ended. It meant a lot to her that, that her marriage, her marriage, and then. Um, so she didn't end the marriage. No, she didn't end okay. the marriage, and it still meant something to her. And she still wanted to have her five minutes in front of the registrar mm. with with the other side on their own to talk about that. But I said to her, it is really unfair, and it doesn't seem right that twenty years of marriage can be, you know, boiled down to half an A4 sheet of a handwritten balance sheet, and we're talking about percentages and flicking. That does not represent. That doesn't your represent life. her experience. It yeah. doesn't represent her it's experience. It might seem quite alienating. Yeah, and that's why it and, and why it's not satisfying either. Because yeah. I mean, you want you want like, people want an acknowledgement that their lives meant something, and mm. that it's you know for it to be resolved in an hour or half an hour or something like that mm. doesn't doesn't feel right to them. So I said, yes, it is an, an acknowledgement. I think it's important to acknowledge to clients and say we under I appreciate that this does not reflect your life or your experience, but. The way we can get it solved, the, the, the aim of this process is to is to finalise it for you, to make sure that you, yeah, it's just inequitable at the mm. end of the day, particularly with property, but also so you can move on with your life at mm. the end of the day. And I think that's where, you know, the, and it's great when you've got registrars and, and that's why conciliation conferences and hopefully that genuine steps move mm. that, that, that may come through of having that reality check for uh, litigants is to say, the commercial reality, it's going to cost you $100,000 each to get to the final hearing, to mm. have that day of reckoning. Mm. Buy your best day in court today. Mm. You know, you, you, I like that phrase. I mean, we said that, you said it earlier mm. when we met last time. That's but right. At sometimes even if someone is, they might say, oh, but I think I could do $50,000 better if it went to trial law. Mm. And you say, yeah, but 
that, that, so you could get that result, but then you'd have to pay the $50,000 to get that. So you're actually buying... What, what I, yeah, I say, I say to clients, if, you, if, if you're 50 grand apart, or $50,000 is, is what they need to pay, don't pay it to me as the lawyer, even though the amount of people, Zoe, you've probably had it, where they say, I much prefer to give you yeah, the money, money rather than... Like, yeah. You know what, when you're, when you're at 2A... Melissa Gillies gave me this line, um, senior counsel. She said, she, uh, she poses to people the question, if you're at two, think about this in four months' time, if you say no to the deal, 2am, what will, what will you be thinking? We, or you say yes to it, will you be thinking, oh, I gave them the extra 50 grand, but look, it's done and I've got the house or I've sold it and I'm moving on with my life. Or at 2 a.m. we'd be thinking, I've now got another 25 grand worth of legal fees. I've probably got another 50 to go. I should X years in court. And, my, and, you know, and something else has happened. Like, I, why did I not just settle on the day? What will keep you awake at night? What's that 2 a.m. conversation? That is such a, but I'm going to start using that. Thank you, yeah, Melissa. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you, steal, Melissa Gillies. We're, we're yeah, going to steal so, that now, the yeah. 2 a.m. And, so, and, and, to, and, to say to, and that's why I say to people, if, and if it's, if it's commercially viable, that's when you recommend that, yeah. that case, of course. If, if you're $3 million apart, yeah. well, it's probably maybe worth a quarter of yeah, a million dollars sure. worth of legal fees to go for it. But it's case by case. But say, so, you know, even if you got that... 65% it's going to cost you 50 if you settled on that you know mm. that's 60% but you've bought your best day in you court you bought your today. best day in court yeah I like that line you bought your best day in court so I think it's about as you say if obviously it's case by case we're not trying to do cookie cutter family law but mm. to have that mentality where you, you are looking at matters as a lawyer commercially and thinking mm. am I being pragmatic about this Absolutely. should I be more pra pragmatic you know, exactly. Could and I that, encourage my client to see it in a more pragmatic that's way? That's right. And in, and in the press last year, I mean, and there were decisions, um, you know, particularly and there was criticisms, particularly of the Sydney family law um, practitioners as well in, in those judgments. And the, and in one of the recommendations um, put forward in the you know, to talk about the you know, the report again um, is whether or not it, party party costs are removed and and costs do follow the event is is a possibility. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how that would. Um, Make make solicitors or, you know, or litigants whether they would tailor their mm. their approaches a little bit more because we're maybe could change yeah babies. that's right so um, and and that's that's probably what that recommendation may be looking to seek to do is to, is to change behaviours around that so but I think it all what it, what it really should boil down to is that it's it, in family law and it's taken a little while but it's it's been ever since I've practiced it's been there that alternative dispute resolution mm. is the way to go mm. um, and. Um, unless, of course, as we said, there's that Certain technical matters, issue yeah. of law. But or, at least turn your yeah. mind to it and go, is this an appropriate matter? Like, have it and you know, be thinking about it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And taking those genuine steps are good as well. So I think that'd be, that's, it's, that's a positive move. Mm. And what would you say to, because I know that a lot of lawyers listen into this and other people that work in family law, but I also get a lot of feedback from just um, mums and dads, mm. you know, husbands and wives who've read the Inside Family Law book or they're listening to the podcast. What would you say to someone who's separating? Like, what, what do you think would be... What, what should they do? In the uh, I know every situation is different. Yeah, but. no, I think I think it's it's probably the and you know we, everyone sort of half laughed at Gwyneth Paltrow when she talked about consciously uncoupling. Oh, the conscious uncoupling. Conscious yeah. uncoupling, which I know you, you've you've spoken about before. Um, but there's a nearly, and we've discussed this before, Zoe, about that in society at the moment when you separate from your ex, it, there's this there's this assumption or this presumption that automatically you should hate your ex or mm. it should be acrimonious or you've got to get as much as you can and they deserve to be punished. I mean, you know, there's no at-fault divorce anymore. So that's that's one thing people need to understand that no matter how awful your ex may have been as far as cheating or whatever, it's not, a, it's not, not, a, not in play for the court to consider. It's about your contributions. But it would be to have the approach of, well, you know, this, you know, it's, it's, it's now, I may not have wanted this choice to have this to happen, but I need to think about my future. 
so how, where do I want to be? How do I want to live? And when you're in that tunnel vision at that point in time of, of separating, it's difficult. You know, you, 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 you've got that emotional pain and that angst and it's really hard to see through, through that and that light at the end of the tunnel. But it's to say, think, well, all right, let's focus on what we can agree upon that we need mm. to separate and divide. And there, of course, there'll be issues that we need to work through. That's fine. But sit down and that's where collaborative law is now very much in vogue mm. um, and that's a positive step for litigants as well. There are alternatives to going to a court and having a judge who has no idea what, what your lived experience is making a decision on your behalf where it's he said, she said on your affidavit. So I think that my advice to litigants would be speak to a lawyer, absolutely, and encourage your spouse to speak to a lawyer. Them seeking, seeking a lawyer doesn't mean it's going to agitate matters or blow it apart. They'll actually get advice from their solicitors about what the best approach is, what the range, as you said Zoe, we all, all the lawyers know what the range of outcomes will be. And it's important that both sides get that advice as well. And I think, and, re and reach that resolution by, by narrowing the issues in dispute. And if there's, I mean, obviously there have been the ALRC recommendations, but do you, if it was the Brett McGrath recommendations, <laughs> do you have any thoughts about things? Because you, I'm interested mm. in your perspectives, but just because you've got, you come at it from different angles, like you're practicing, you know, you practice mm. every day, full time yep. as a family lawyer, but you're also you've got the academic side mm. with your lecturing, um, you know, and there's also the law society aspect as well. So, yep. you know, what, what do you think, do you have thoughts about changes or yeah, I, it doesn't have to be tethered or can, you can relate to the LRC recommendations or it can be your own thoughts? Yeah, I, well, certainly the, the idea of um, the harmonisation of, of rules and forms to make it simpler for um, litigants and also for practitioners, I think, and that's one of the reforms, but that's that's big because there's there's no rhyme or reason. There should be so many different forms when it's we're true. all talking really about the same thing under the same act. Mm. Um, and it's reality. confusing to self-represent litigants. Oh, like, absolutely. can you imagine and if you're a self-represent litigant? And if they, you know, if they accidentally file on the family court, then they get bumped to the federal circuit court. And so it makes it makes it difficult in, in that regard. The only other thing with Ed would be um, a matter of resourcing. So that, that's one, um, if, if we had a, a fully funded uh, family law system, I'd, I'd like to see what that looks like. I've never, never experienced, <laughs> never seen never that. Experienced never that. that. Uh, but to give credit where credit's due, the government you know, appointing seven or so judicial officers before the election, fantastic. That's mm, what we need. Sure. Um, and, and the timely um, appointment of, 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 of judges when judges retire as well, I think is important because our population is growing. Um, family law, you know, it's it's not not taking a backward step as far as people who are separating people. Society's changing, and so I think the the idea that we we should have the same number of judges when we aren't creating efficiencies as far as forms and things mm. go, it's it's unrealistic to think that that burden can still be placed on the same people. At, you know, who who you know, judges having six hundred matters is it's crazy is yeah. is incredible, and it's um and. The stress on judicial office is dealing with people. I mean, I, you and I know as, as mediators and as lawyers, what we deal with clients day to day, having the burden of those real dilemmas with, particularly with children's matters as well, mm. judges, the pressure that's on them um, is, it, that should be alleviated because we want our, our judicial officers to have the clear state of mind to, to be able to turn, and, and I'm sure they do because they work six till six. I know some judges who do that. But, but we want to make sure that they're they're in an appropriate headspace as well to mm. really consider matters and and they want their matters the matters to be dealt with quickly and efficiently efficiently the amount of times where they've said my diary is just full I wish I could make this mm. 
you know, go away for you quick, more quickly. Um, try, go to arbitration. Have you thought about arbitration? Mm. They're even encouraging um, alternative dispute resolution. Yeah, there has been a push, well. hasn't there, from the judiciary to think Absolutely. about arbitration? Yeah, which is which is great. Yeah. And I think that's and because as we've said, it's case by case. Some people mm. some people may need a judge to decide it because it's that acrimonious and there's too much water under the under the bridge for that. Other people, though, if they haven't turned their attention to it... Um, Maybe I just hadn't thought about it. They're that's just, right. Because it's caught the most sort of obvious thing. Absolutely. And they go, oh, I hadn't thought about it. And, and a lot of judges in Sydney are uh, referring pe- uh, property matters to the Law Society uh, Mediation Service as mm. well. Um, that's always a great service as well. So there's the moves at the bench are there, but I think if we had... I'd like to see more resourcing to see, well, if we had a fully funded bench to clear those matters in that backlog, and then we can see where we go from there. Mm, mm. No, I mean, I think, I think resourcing, I mean, whenever I speak to anyone, like, that's, that's the, the major thing that they, rather than sort of, we change this in the act or we could change that, they're like, resourcing. Like that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, the yeah, that's right. That or, or, or even there were, you know, some, some people have, have called for a royal commission into family law. Um, Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, my, my view would be if, if you look at what the cost of a royal commission would be, so it's about, you know, and don't quote me on this, I think it's around $300 million for the um, intersexual abuse in, in institutions was around that. My approach would be the money you'd use for a Royal Commission, how about you pump that into judicial resourcing as mm. a first step? And if that doesn't work, yeah, because that, as you said, Zoe, everyone is talking about resourcing in family law. That's, that's pretty issue. much if, if the common denominator of every <laughs> person I interview. Absolutely. Whereas you know, put that money in first, and if that doesn't work, I'll be the first to call for a Royal Commission. It's interesting to I me mean, because... I mean, the cost factor, like, I, I, when I was kind of like, yeah, I can understand why people want a Royal Commission, but when you actually think about the cost of that and what you could do with that resource, you know, absolutely. It, is, it is a good point. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's where it would be. Yeah. So what's, so what's sort of on the horizon for you in your career? What are you looking well, to? Well, as, as I said, so you're at Ga- we didn't say that at the start, we should have, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you're at Gaydon's. And we're in the office. So, so Gaydon's, Gaydon's Family Law here in Sydney, um, and we've got... Um, Family Law in Melbourne as well for, for the firm. So, um, no, I'm enjoying my time here. I've been here for seven months. Uh, so, and I'm on the, the Family Law Committee for the Law Society and, and I'm busy with that as well and still teaching at, at Western Sydney University. So I think I'm, I'm in a very happy place, Zoe. I'm a, I'm a happy happy divorce lawyer at this happy point. Happy divorce, no? happy, you like that, that happy lawyer, happy life, Clarissa? Yeah, yeah, yeah Clarissa, yeah, 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 yeah that's great. The male, yeah. The male yeah, the male, yeah, the Sydney <laughs> version of the that. So, um, so, yeah, and, and look, and getting um, you know, experience with you know, complicated, really complicated um, for parenting and property matters and um, financial agreements. That's another area where people are constantly asking the question, do they, are they worth the paper they're written on? And we have a little joke around the office. We say, oh, well, if Gaydon's drafted, yes, it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and that's where people are now recognising as well that in, um, yeah, in, in their lives that the likelihood of separation, I, I like to think the glass is half full, that there's, you know, there's a 50% chance the relationship will survive and, and be forever. Um, rather than saying 50% fail. But it's a realistic outcome that there's a possibility that your relationship won't last. Um, And people are now actively looking at, well, you know, do I need to preserve my, my, my company? I mean, we've, we've acted for third parties where Mm. they aren't, they aren't a party to the marriage, but they Mm. are a shareholder. And suddenly they're expending legal fees because the marriage is broken down and it's affecting the company. So really, Financial agreements, you know, how do you sell a prenup? That's that's a big question. But saying, well, actually, there's prudent reasons in a business case for people who are in business partnerships, even if they're, mm. they're starting one up, to say, look, we need the business to be, be insulated here from um, any family law litigation that mm. might happen. I mean, look at Amazon. 
for example. Oh. I mean, that's you look yeah. at the. I mean, that's an extreme example. But the, the the stock market shuddered when he was separating because the there was the possibility that his wife was going to get fifty percent of his shareholding, and so then you see in the outcome that she does get the shareholding, but he has her voting rights. So, and that's to bring stability to the company. But it's an example to people of. What can be unforeseen? I mean, if you're a shareholder or director, you'd be thinking for any company, hang on a minute, what if my business partner gets separated mm. or he's a shareholder? What the, how's that going to affect People our capital raising? They need stability. Absolutely. So, is this what, so for anyone listening to this, mm. if you're in this situation, so mm. what, we're, oh. not, we're not trying to plan for separation necessarily, <laughs> but you do need to perhaps turn your mind to making sure that you, you know, you're protected, your business partner Absolutely. Protected. It'd be similar to in, when you're starting any business or in your, you're in a business at the moment is that you need to make sure that yeah, not only that you're insulated from any shocks of in someone's personal life, but also estate planning. I mean, mm. ensuring even if, if you're, you've got a, a florist or something like that, you need to make sure in your estate planning that someone has the passwords to your Facebook account. So little things like that. So people need to really plan now and, and have those those instruments in place ready to go if something were to happen. So, and um, you're, you're better off making those decisions and having those discussions for really reasonable reasons, such as, well, there's a business and you know, we're, we're shareholders, but we need to work out how that's going to be. If we don't want to affect employees and people's mm. livelihoods if there's going to be an issue with our separation in the future. And that's a, that's a really reasonable and unselfish thing to do, is to actually make sure that you plan that out. Mm, well, that's actually a really good point. And no one's actually raised that um, that I've interviewed so far. But oh, that's really? a, yeah, that's a really good point mm. to make. So for anyone listening to this, like, like listening. Or, or hashtag financial agreements. So. Yeah, financial agreements. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, this is still been my own personal life. I actually, well, I didn't do one when I mm. married my, my husband. Um, but it's funny, all the family lawyers were like, you need to do one, you've got an apartment in Darlinghurst. And, da, 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 da. and I didn't do one, but maybe mm. it'd be different if I had a business or, you know, something yeah, that's, like that. And I think, yeah, if, if I, I've, I've certainly seen it, in, it happen so many times now, particularly you know, in, in, in here that, excuse me, in the city that, Really, it's it's the, the 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 implications and consequences of not doing it far outweigh having that difficult discussion where it, it's actually a reasonable and justifiable discussion to have mm. in, in that space. I mean, I I joke with Amazon's a big example, and, and, and Amazon's and that's that's a, that's an example for everybody to say, <laughs> look what happened, and because it, you can see publicly what happened to confidence in the market when that occurred for the one of the biggest companies in the world mm. because of a, map, a separation that, it, that happened. So, um, but no, I think for, for me, I, I, often, I often joke that um, for, for anyone who's, who's my partner that, you know, sitting around a table and, um, you know, dinner table, usually my friends are family lawyers and I say, look, if, if you separate, I introduce you to my legal team and <laughs> about six people start waving at them. So, <laughs> not that you want to rely on that, but I'd be like, well, you know, have a crack. <laughs> Give me your best shot. So... <laughs> But, um, yeah, yeah, so. So that's something to keep in mind, definitely. Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely with financial agreements, they're, they're absolutely still, um, still and you worthwhile. And you do them, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Because I know some firms are like, like, it's an interesting topic, actually, financial agreements. Because I know some firms are like, we don't touch them, you mm. know, whereas other firms are happy to do them. Yeah. It's an interesting kind of space and, right now. And, I, and the way I, I explain it to clients is that you've got... The, when you file in court, or you, you've and you've got registrars in the court, they that's that's the check and balance. They review the orders. They test whether they're just and equitable. At the end of the day, they review the yeah, all of the, the financial figures and then the terms of settlement. Is the percentage split overall? Is it is it just and equitable? Is it fair? Yeah. Um, and you know, and sometimes and registrars I've spoken to, they they requisition matters if they do not think that it's just and equitable at the end of yeah, the day, sure. or they won't make those orders. Um, and so, whereas binding financial agreements. 
because the onus is on the advice provided by solicitors, we are the check and balance at the end of the day. And if that advice, the advantages of disadvantages aren't, aren't articulated, they aren't outlined, or solicitors you know, allow a binding financial agreement to be signed two days before the wedding, you've got ink on the wedding dress signing it and that's considered duress, they're issues which make them it make make solicitors wary of, Do, yeah. of doing them. And I know some firms do them and some don't. So that's that's right. So and that's where you need to and and firms such as ours, we have um, procedures in place to ensure that the the advice is given, um, that you know, clients have time to consider it. And uh, for people who are thinking about a financial agreement, uh, if you get if you get lawyers who say, oh yeah, come in for an hour, I'll have a look at it, I'll charge you four hundred and fifty dollars. If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, and that's going to be Run. a big problem because you, you they may not have followed the procedures correctly as far as providing advice according to the legislation, and that's where that will give the opening for it to be turfed out, and then lawyers can be sued as a consequence. So that's why some firms are really tentative about going near binding financial agreements. Do you think if it's done properly, there's structure in place, done, double-checked, you know... Absolutely, partner sign-off on very it. Very carefully done, yeah. Absolutely, and that's why... They're, they aren't simple documents and they, sh they should be treated with such delicacy because you don't have that judicial review at the end or that or the mm. court stamp it's and seal. It's a big seal. responsibility. It is, absolutely. Yeah, and you um, take it seriously. Yeah, and, and, and it should be. And invariably that does come with a little bit of a cost, but I think that's where, you know, if you're, if you're spending the money on it, you're getting the If you're a business or something, as you said, oh, you know, well, you're talking from a previous relationship that you're trying to protect there. Like, there's all kinds of issues. So. Absolutely. And so I think that's why they're, they're worth considering. And it's another option as well from rather going through court is, is having a binding financial agreement after separation too. So mm. there's an op opportunity there to, to be creative as mm. well. I mean, look. I, in terms of what you're saying about if you if you pay, um, <laughs> you pay peanuts, you, know, pay peanuts, yeah, you, peanuts get you get monkeys. Yeah. Well, I actually did see once, and it wasn't it wasn't done by me, but like someone came in and said, hey, look, I've got this document. Mm. From, you know, um, they they'd had a BFA done. Ostensibly, the lawyer had advised both sides oh. and signed the advice for both the husband and the wife. For everyone listening, that's a big. That's no. bad. That's bad. <laughs> very bad. So they seen the lawyer, and and he'd and he'd signed. He, not only okay, he'd done this. I think before they started living together mm -hmm. and then he did another one um i think it was during marriage mm -hmm. and it was or before marriage but there was two mm -hmm. and he'd done it twice so he oh, made the same oh, mistake oh. twice i'm just like oh gosh oh, no. and they're like is this document <laughs> <laughs> you know and you're thinking how do i diplomatically frame uh, this that it's not <laughs> i'm sort of thinking to myself this lawyer is so gonna get sued <laughs> well and that and that, that's exactly right and so i think that's where but that's a terrible like that's i don't know how that happened yeah oh like, uh, yeah oh no and that's and that's where it's 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 that would have been like a four hundred dollar here. I'll pump it out kind of thing. Absolutely, where that's and it, it's good to go to lawyers who practice in family law, and that's that's what we we recommend, and, it, and it's an ethical obligation for us. We you know, if you know, Zoe, if you've got a you're acting for somebody, but their their ex spouse is is unrepresented, we always say please go and see a lawyer and get mm. this reviewed. Avail yourself of that opportunity of, of, of getting legal advice on any deal or offer that mm. is put forward. I mean, it's really important and critical to do that. Um, but yeah, if, if you're in that position of people coming in and saying, you know, both husband and wife, it's... and it's, I was shocked when I saw that. It's and, one of the worst I've seen. Oh, and, th and that's where you might have... Unfortunately, you've got... And you know, I, I worked in... in Southwest, Southwest Sydney, and it's it's sort of on the cusp of regional and rural, and you've got a lot of sole practitioners and what have you, and um, and they'll they'll, you know, it's not just limited to them. I won't put them all in the same basket, but people who aren't experienced, you mean people in who family, dabble, yeah, who dabble in family law is probably a good way of putting it. Yeah. People who dabble don't understand the implications and consequences of not following the the legislative 
pathway when it comes to binding financial or financial agreements. So, um, and that's and that ex- leaves it, it open to exposure to clients as well if they're not not done properly. Mm. Well, look, any other final thoughts, words of wisdom from Brent McGrath, the, the man with the man with the voice? The voice. The vo- <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm lucky with my voice. It, it does help because it probably makes me sound more authoritative than I actually am. I do love listening to your voice. Oh, it's very relaxing. <laughs> this is just part of a sleep meditation. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, no, just that if, if anyone's listening, it's it's really that, the, the again, the role of a family lawyer is should be to make the deal, not break the deal. And I love that. I'm, I'm, I think that should be like, we, we got to have bumper stickers, we got to have T-shirts. Yeah, that <laughs> should be a recommendation. So I think that's, and that's the approach that, um, and if, if there's clients who are out there thinking, you know, you want to go in for the fight, unless there's a significant point of law or there's non-disclosure or something like that, if, if you've got all the cards on the table, the aim should be to make a deal so you can move on with your life. Both go and see lawyers that know what they're doing so Absolutely. that they know what the law is so that they can say this is what the likely outcome is and you can probably reach some resolution. Absolutely. And it's you do not want to spend money on... I mean, I'm at a law firm and I'm employed in family law, but you don't want to spend money on lawyers if you don't have to. Unnecessarily, excessively. Absolutely. If you could resolve a matter at the earliest opportunity. Exactly. And, and But then again, going and seeing somebody who who does practice in family law, doesn't dabble in it, but practices in family law every day, are before judges every week seeing See the decision. See how matters run, yeah. Absolutely, and that's that's critically important because that informs us when we're providing advice to, to clients. Doing that, in and it's an investment by seeing a lawyer to start with to try and get that resolution because you'll 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 get an outcome that with, with sound advice. Mm. All right, well, look, thank you so much for chatting with me, Brett. It's been... A lot of fun. Thank you for having me, Zoe, and thank you for everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. So you're listening into the Inside Family Law Podcast. I've been, I'm Zoe Durand, and I've been speaking with Brett McGar, who is now at Gaydens um, and does many, many other things as well. Um, thanks so much. <laughs>